This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to State of Health, the podcast for patients with healthcare decision makers and thought leaders in the hot seat. I'm Gunnar Esaiasin. Today, we're continuing our antibiotic resistance series on the State of Health with a three questions episode with Senator Todd Young from Indiana. Senator Young is a co-sponsor on the Pastor Act, which is proposed legislation that aims to overhaul reimbursement practices for antibiotics in hopes that it will stabilize the antibiotic market. If you want some background on the Pastor Act, you can check out last week's episode. The rule in a three questions episode is simple. The role of the interviewer will flip halfway through the show. Let's get to it. All right, Senator Young, thanks for thanks for coming on the show. Gunnar, great to be with you. So I, I want to just jump right into it. We're talking about something that's very timely, something that's very important in not only my life, but a lot of my friends' lives as well. Uh, but why should people care about antibiotic resistance? Great question. Uh, I get asked that a lot. So this pandemic has really awakened us to the threats our nation uh, was already facing and reminded us of our collective power to meet all these threats. If there's anything we've learned from 2020, anything whatsoever, it's, it's that we have to take every reasonable and responsible measure to prevent future public health crises. We have more than 2.8 million antibiotic resistant infections occur in the US every year. And 35,000 Americans die as a result of antibiotic resistance. So uh, according to the US CDC, um, there are 18 pathogens that need immediate attention. And this is our next public health crisis that uh, essentially is already here. Right. And, you know, I, I am one of those people living with a pseudomonas infection. That's one of the pathogens identified by the CDC. So I certainly hear what you're saying. Uh, but I want to talk about the bill that you are co-sponsoring, the Pastor Act. Uh, what problem does the Pastor Act address and why is it important that we talk about it right now? So antibiotics are a key tool in the healthcare system. Many of our most common and complex procedures depend on antibiotics to prevent infection. But their overuse and their misuse has contributed to the growing threat of antibiotic resistance. CDC data indicate that roughly 30% of antibiotics used in hospitals are completely unnecessary or prescribed incorrectly. This pandemic uh, has only added to the urgency of this issue, as we've seen with COVID-19 patients who have developed serious secondary infections. We've also seen an increase over the course of this pandemic in the misuse of antibiotics to treat the virus. So unless our pharmaceutical innovators create new, more potent drugs, antimicrobial resistance has the potential to kill 10 million people annually by 2050. We have to get ahead of the problem, and it's why Senator Michael Bennett of Colorado and I introduced the Pasteur Act. State of Health, we'll be right back with Senator Todd Young. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think that the thing that I love so much about Pastor, uh, uh, you know, and we'll talk about its reimbursement model here in a second, is that it is a, a, an opportunity for bipartisan leadership, uh, you know, that, that, you're, that you're mentioning. And that's something I think our country just so desperately needs right it's now. So, absolutely. It's so refreshing. Uh, in an era of tribalism and polarization and partisanship and, and, you know, frankly, a lot of people have lost faith in government more generally because, you know, we can't seem to get a lot of important things done. This act is just so commonsensical uh, where we have Republicans and Democrats coming together and there's going to be a broad constituency of stakeholders who will be supportive of this, I know, as well. Absolutely. You use the word common sense. And that's exactly how I describe this. This reform is it, it just seems like common sense. Uh, but experts compare Pastor Act to a Netflix subscription model. So why, why is that? Why is that so unique? Uh, and, and what makes it different? Currently, the drug reimbursement system in the United States rewards volume, not value. It's led to overuse of antibiotics, which has in turn driven down reimbursements and with it, the incentive for private investment in R&D. The Pasteur Act would help reinvigorate the antibiotics pipeline by providing sizable subscription-based government contracts for access to innovative, high-priority antibiotics. The subscription model means payment will be fully delinked Participating developers would not receive income as part of their subscription payments based on volume or quantity of sales. Patients would only receive the antibiotics they need because drug manufacturers won't be compelled to oversell drugs in order to meet revenue targets. The biotech industry will benefit from the predictability of their financial rewards in exchange for developing much needed novel treatments in short, this approach addresses the core issue confronting the antibiotics market, the pressing need for innovative drugs that don't have high sales potential, and we hope to not use in great quantity. Right. And I think that last bit is what's so important, right? You know, I think we want a slow, steady drip of new antibiotics, and we want them to be able to sit on the shelf, and we want the companies that are producing them to survive, right? And I think one of the things that we've seen so frequently over the last several years when a drug maker tries to bring an antibiotic to market is they just quickly fall into insolvency because they can't get the prescriptions needed because of uh, the sort of the unique nature uh, of, the, of the antibiotic. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, the role of the interviewer will flip. I want to flip the microphone around. One of the things that we do here in the state of health is we allow uh, the lawmaker to ask questions of the patient advocates. So I will let you take the role of the interviewer uh, here in the second half of the interview. Well, thank you, Gunnar. Um, you know, and I appreciate this opportunity because, uh, you know, I, you, uh, you know, you uh, have, have, uh, been living with an antibiotic resistant infection. And um, I want to know, learn more about that. When did you realize you were living with an antibiotic resistant infection? 
So, you know, part of living with cystic fibrosis is the chronic respiratory infection that many of us deal with. And I think as a kid, you know, you just take the antibiotics that are prescribed and you just hope that they work. But of course, as I grew older and as, as, as my cystic fibrosis progressed, it came to realize that the antibiotics were no longer working, right? You go from one drug to the next drug, to the next drug, to the next drug. And with each, you know, uh, ensuing prescription, it's almost like you're, the, the effect is waning, right? That the drugs are no longer working. You're continuing to get sicker and sicker. And the bug that you're living with, in my case, the pseudomonas uh, originosa infection is just becoming more and more difficult to treat. So I think, uh, you know, 22, 23, 24 years old, uh, I realized that, you know, unless a new drug was going to come away, come out and wipe this thing away from me, I was going to be stuck with this for the rest of my life. And, you know, here we are 10 years later, almost, I'm still, still struggling with the pseudomonas infection, right? And I'm down to, you know, an antibiotic of last resort, really, you know, the front, the first, second, third line antibiotics for me have all uh, but failed, right? They're no longer able to treat the pseudomonas living in my lungs. And I'm now reliant on the biotech industry to come out with something new for me. And I think that's why, uh, you know, the, uh, why I'm so frustrated when I went with, with the pace at, at which this is going. And I'm hoping that Pastor can address that for me. Well, and I admire candidly the fact that you've taken that frustration, you've channeled it in such a positive way. You're now a patient advocate and you've thought pretty critically uh, about not uh, just how this impacts you, but uh, more broadly about uh, prevention strategies and, and, and uh, research and so forth. What's your biggest fear with an antibiotic resistant infection? You know, I think the biggest fear that any patient has living with antibiotic resistant infection is losing another drug. Right. And for me, because I am down to those antibiotics of last resort, there is no backup. There is no backstop standing behind, uh, you know, what I presently have. And I think that's what's so scary for me. Right. You know, uh, in 2018, I watched a, a really good friend of mine pass away from cystic fibrosis because, frankly, the antibiotics just stopped working. Right. And it's something that can happen so abruptly for someone that's living with one of these infections. You know, you could be just kind of coursing along like I am treating it, managing it as best you can with the limited options available. But as soon as it stops working, it's game over. Right. There's just nothing more that you can do uh, as soon as you're running out of options. So I think for me, the biggest fear is running out of options before new ones come along. Right. And I think that's uh, a pretty simple message that I'm here to deliver. But uh, it's one that I think too many Americans are facing right now. Well, uh, it's a powerful message and one that I, I think probably deserves echoing as, as we talk about this, uh, which kind of takes me to where I'd like to end up in, in terms of uh, asking questions here. So I'm, I'm a federal legislator, and oftentimes I don't get uh, a whole lot of time with my colleagues to explain uh, a really good idea, one that we've characterized as just full of common sense like this one. And what would you say lawmakers should know about antibiotic resistance so that when I approach other lawmakers, uh, I can be sure and emphasize that? You know, I think two things. One is urgency, right? There's people who are already living with these problems, you know, like myself, like people living with cystic fibrosis. Uh, and we can uh, sort of relate that to the pace at which it takes to develop these drugs, right? The, the drug development process is slow. Uh, it's, you know, maybe in the grand, big picture of things, it can move quickly. But when you're actually living with a disease that's progressing, anything can seem like it's moving at a snail's pace. So that's one thing. The second thing is that it feels like this is a silent crisis, right? It's already here. It's existing in, in, the, in the population. And it's something that people are already struggling 
struggling with. Uh, you know, I think, you know, believe me, there, there's definitely some pandemic fatigue out there. I, you know, I'm sick of turning on the news and seeing everything, you know, related to the coronavirus or the ongoing pandemic. Uh, so it's, um, to me, uh, you know, what we're dealing with right now is like a silent crisis that's just not being talked about enough. And uh, I think, uh, you know, we talked about this before that it's, you know, this is a, a chance for uh, lawmakers to come together. It's a bipartisan common sense bill. It's a, a common sense act. And I uh, certainly am thankful for your leadership on this uh, uh, in the Senate. And um, I, I'm, I'm really excited to see where this goes, right? I'm, I'm hopeful uh, that uh, lawmakers can come together to address this uh, in the not too distant future. Well, I have to tell you, Gunnar, I'm incredibly excited about the possibilities. And uh, I don't say this often, uh, and I say it with, with uh, a, a bit of a tempered uh, perspective, but I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic that we're going to get this done. Uh, the sheer force of logic, the sheer need for it, and um, uh, the elegance of the solution uh, within the Pasteur Act, I think is going to be able to provide uh, some much needed help to a lot of people uh, in, in the medium term and then longer term. So uh, really grateful for your advocacy and, and for this platform. Yeah, thanks, Senator Young, for coming on. I really appreciate your leadership uh, and good luck uh, getting this across the finish line. Thanks so much. Grateful to be on. That's all for this week. Be sure to join us next week. New episodes come out every Wednesday morning wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at g 17 Esiason, and you can check out my website at GunnarEsiason.com. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe to State of Health and then leave a rating and a review. A big thank you to Senator Todd Young for today's interview. The State of Health is produced by Bob Dwyer. Thanks to Odyssey for making this podcast possible. We'll see you next week.